0: I'm Rabbi Shmuley Yanklowitz. Let's get started. Shalom, shalom. It's a delight to be here with Dr. Tevi Troy, who is a senior scholar at the Strauss Center at Yeshiva University and also a senior fellow at the Bipartisan Policy Center. Uh, He's a scholar of many issues, but one of them is on presidencies. And one of his most recent books on the presidency is called Fight House, Rivalries in the White House from Truman to Trump. Encourage you to check it out. So um, what is your initial background and interest in in presidencies?
1: Well, I've always been fascinated by presidents. Even as a little kid, I was reading those little kid biographies of presidents. And I went to graduate school and I got a PhD from the University of Texas at Austin, where I studied the presidency. And I studied with a woman named Elspeth Rostow, who was the wife of Walt Rostow, who was the national security advisor to both Johnson and Kennedy. So she gave me a real up close look at the presidency. And I wrote my dissertation on an issue related to the presidency about intellectuals who worked in the White House. When I finished graduate school, I moved to Washington. And while I was in Washington, I had the honor of a lifetime to work in the White House for George W. Bush. I worked there for five years in a number of different jobs, including I was liaison to the Jewish community, which was very meaningful and special to Mm -hmm. me. And that's how I met my good friend, Rabbi David Saperstein. Mm -hmm. I also was the senior... I think he was
0: the first, by the way, to have a Hanukkah gathering, right?
1: He had a Hanukkah gathering in the White House, and the White House residence, and after there was one mix-up one year where some of the food was kosher and some
0: wasn't, Mrs. Bush
1: decreed that all the food would be kosher at every one of the Hanukkah parties, and thus it has been so ever since. Okay. And so I worked in the White House. I was also the deputy domestic policy advisor, so had a number of uh, policy roles, and then I ended up as the deputy secretary of health and human services. I had to leave the White House for that, but it was still a very uh, potent role with a a lot of uh, importance. I can do a lot of good for America, but also for the Jewish community. So I took those two, that combination of having worked in the White House at a very senior level, but also having a PhD expert teeth in studying the presidency, going into presidential archives, reading memos where I'd seen the handwritten notes of Richard Nixon and LBJ, which was really a fascinating thing. And I decided to combine the two in my post-government career. And I've written multiple books on the presidencies and I write frequently on the presidency for the Wall Street Journal, yeah. quoted in the New York Times about the presidency. So um, somebody has a question about the presidency, yeah. they often go to me.
0: What is it you're most interested in studying within the presidency? Uh, and what are some of the uh, the more interesting insights that have emerged for you from looking at that at the last few decades. So the number one thing that really grasped me
1: is leadership. Mm -hmm. How presidents use their leadership abilities to bring the country around. Because look, we're a very divided country. There's a lot of controversy. Some people agree on this, some people don't agree on that. And to get people to go along and do things they may not want to do requires leadership. I actually have started my own leadership training course based on my knowledge of the presidency. I call it 1600 Lessons. I teach companies how the model of presidents can teach you about leadership. And so in this, I do a number of modules. One is on how to build a cohesive team. Because the presidents bring together a team of two to 4,000 people right. who'd never worked together before. They have to administer a four, a two million person government And they've got to do it under a microscope. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of type A personalities, a lot of disagreements on policy, but the president's got to get them all on board. How do you do that? I've also studied disasters. And there have been, unfortunately, many, many disasters that presidents have had to deal with weather-related, terrorist-related, economic disasters. How presidents deal with those disasters, how they step up in moments of crisis. That's another thing I focus on in my training, but it's also the subject of a book I wrote, shall we make the president, and it's 200 years of disaster management
0: from the White House. What would you point to as one of the more inspiring leadership moments of a president at coordinating that staff? And what would you point to as kind of a kind of an epic failure within that regard?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. I, I think the best thing to do when it comes to a disaster yeah. is prevent it before it happens so i I like Mm. to see what uh, bill clinton did with y2k everybody's saying y2k the whole country's going to fall apart and when the uh the younger people may not remember this there was this thought that when we go from 1999 to 2000 the computers that had a two digit zero zero wouldn't know how to deal with four zeros (laughs) in the in the new century and that there would be meltdown so he brought together the private sector and the public sector and the states and the locals and he made sure that when y2k happened when when the year 2000 happened there was no collapse, so yeah. the best thing you do is prevent it. in advance. yeah, yeah. And but in terms of after it yeah, happens, I mean yeah. George W. Bush's moment where he stood on the fire truck at yeah. Ground Zero is also a very powerful moment. Yeah, yeah. And that so, was completely spontaneous; it wasn't planned. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, in regards to uh, American presidents' relationships to Israel, um, has that been relatively consistent? What have been some of the norms and some of the divergences there?
1: Well, one thing I found in, in my study is that there's often disagreement within the White House staff and within the administration on what to do. Going back to Harry Truman's recognition of Israel, there was a knockdown, dragout meeting in the White House where George Marshall, who was the Secretary of State and someone who Truman revered more than anyone else in public life, mm-hmm. he was adamantly opposed to recognizing Israel. Yeah. At the same time, there was a guy named Clark Clifford, who at the time was a junior White House aide, he later became a much more senior person, became Secretary of Defense, but at the time he was junior and he made the case for recognizing Israel. And they had this very intense argument in front of Truman. Truman sides with Clifford, recognizes Israel, something we should all be grateful for. But Clifford, so mad, I mean, well, Clifford was mad at Marshall, but Marshall was so mad that he never again spoke to Clifford for the rest of Clifford's life. Wow! So these internal disagreements can be very serious. In the 1967 war, Lyndon Johnson's State Department put out what I think was a very disturbing statement, at the onset of the war saying that the U.S. will be neutral in thought and deed. And there were a lot of White House aides uh, who were very upset at the statement, and they really hammered Johnson that the statement was not sitting well. And Johnson kind of turned around and became more pro-Israel over the course of the Six-Day War, in part because of that pressure from White House aides. And then another one, another famous one is 1973, the Yom Kippur War, and Nixon wants to send arms to Israel. Israel's in peril. There's a very, very dangerous situation. And there are internal forces within the bureaucracy that are slowing down mm-hmm. the distribution of aid to Israel. And Nixon bangs on the table and he says, send everything we have. Yeah. And he demands that they start sending in. Operation Nickel Glass is the operation that sent all these planes to Israel with desperately needed armaments. And Israel was able to turn around the time of that terrible, terrible mm-hmm. war. Wow.
0: Last question for you. Um, I know you like to look at the past, but we'll look to the future a little bit as well. The upcoming presidential debates. What do you see as the issues regarding Israel, given how much is going on with Israel right now? That will be some of the most contentious uh, points of debate in the in the primaries and in the in the general election. Well,
1: first, yeah. I've also studied presidential debates. Yeah. Since you mentioned okay. debates yeah. my, my number one wish is that we have them. Right. 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 So we've already seen in this cycle that Donald Trump has not shown up to the Republican debates, which is very disturbing. And in the last cycle with Biden-Trump, one of the debates got canceled. I don't know that they'll have any if it's the two of them. Now, I hope it's neither of them, frankly, and I hope we have two younger candidates, because that's what we need in in American leadership. But I really hope that we continue the debates because it's an important American tradition. In terms of Israel, there has been a lot of support for Israel. I'm sorry that it was a horrific terrorist yeah. slaughter that made people come out in favor of Israel. And there was a period in the 1990s where we had a bipartisan pro-Israel yeah. consensus. Maybe if you're trying to find the good that can emerge out of the bad, maybe we can return to that bipartisan pro-Israel consensus that we haven't seen in a number of
0: years. Yeah. Thank you very much. Friends, make sure to check out fight house rivalry in the white house from Truman to Trump. Dr. Tevi Troy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Valley Beit Midrash podcast. Remember that you can join our email list at valleybatemidrash.org to stay up to date on new programs, learning opportunities, and more ways to stay connected. If you enjoyed learning with us today, support our work by making a donation at valleybatemidrash.org slash donate. Join us next time as we continue to work together to build a better world. Thanks for listening.